Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So it's been a big week. We have the release of iOS 17, even, I believe now, the release of macOS Sonoma, although I don't, I never jump on that right away. <laughs> I always wait till nope, a few nope, versions. Nope, nope, don't go anywhere near it. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, we, it's, it's been a, you know, watch OS 10, you know, the release of the new phones, the new watches. It's been a, a pretty big two weeks since we last recorded. Um, how has it been going for you so far? So I think, so certainly stressful. Um, is probably the most honest way to start that uh, discussion <laughs> is like, uh, so but one thing that certainly doesn't help is er, I think for the last two or three years, uh, so like the week between the, you know, fall event and the iOS launching, I almost always get a cold just, which I think is just a manifestation of the being <laughs> so stressed and run down in the run up to it. And so that's always a fun thing, but yeah, it, it was a rough week in that sense. It's, it's always exciting. It's this weird tension I feel like, and this weird, like dual feeling of like it's awesome and wonderful and it's terrible and awful um and it's bouncing back and forth between those two feelings like there's nothing quite as fun as you know you release a new feature and you see someone who's super excited about it like that's great and then you nothing quite as as frustrating as you release a new feature and someone points out the obvious problem or flaw or bug <laughs> in that feature that you've been staring at for the last two months but you just never saw this issue or sort of saw this bug did you make the fine woven cases I did not. Um, oh. I, I, that, sorry, sorry to pick on that. Whoever made those, it's just it's the topic du jour. No, <laughs> oh, but 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 I think in some ways it's, it's instructive in that sense of it is so difficult to understand the how that's to, like, to keep a broad perspective while you're in the middle of developing something is very difficult, and also understanding that every development process, every cycle that we go through of this is always having to balance constraints, and they're always trading off, you know, I can make this better now and that will impact negatively this other thing. And it applies to physical products, it applies to the software we make, and it's just one of those realities. And like I always find it really frustrating and but it's like it's just part of part of the deal is when someone suggests something that's like I knew I could do or could do better or they were frustrated by and I knew they were going to be frustrated by, but it was just a choice that I had to make to, you know, scope a project in a particular direction or, you know, not add this feature even knowing that it would be desired. But if I, I it's like, I see all the other knock-on effects of adding that feature and all the other problems that it would cause. So yeah, it's a, I'd say it's a complicated time, but it certainly is an exciting time. Um, and yeah, it's like, you hope that it goes well. Like you, I think in the case of, you know, those, those cases, they, they've, didn't have a great launch. Um, and thankfully this year, I would say overall things went pretty well for me. Um, you know, had a few bugs, had a few issues, had a few things that are probably worth talking about, um, as they came up, but overall, like it seemed to go well. Um, and you know, at, at this point in the game, I think a lot of that is just, it's funny because I think quality and that, that kind of thing is something that is, is, can be very, amorphous and kind of ephemeral but i think it's knowing the right things to test knowing where the right thing where issues are likely to, to crop up and having done that issue and i think we've talked about this over the summer of the kind of making sure that you do testing that's on old devices making sure that you do install the old version on an old device like i think the most time-consuming tests i ever do are where i intentionally downgrade a phone to the old version install the version from the app store get it set up install the ios update using the beta program and then install the new version 
And I definitely caught a bunch of bugs and issues with that process. It's very time consuming because every time you want to cycle through that, it takes like two hours, but obviously you're not looking at it for two hours, but you can't iterate on it very quickly. But like, because I went through that, it wasn't running, it wasn't running into the issues that I've have over previous years, where if I spend all my time only working on the new, you know, like I upgrade my own phone and my testing phones are all running. In this case, iOS 17. I can get so used to that and lose track of what's what's changed. But at least for me, that's how it went. How'd it go for you? It was actually it was um, similar, but on a on a much more compressed time scale. Unfortunately, with much lower stakes. I've had a lot of stuff going on in life. I've been moving, trying to sell a house. Like it's been you know a lot of time consuming stuff, and so. I've had very little time to work uh, on code, and, and this has been a very busy fall for me. Um, and I just, I had done most of the work to get Overcast's iOS 17 widgets done um, a month or two ago, but I, I just didn't have the, the sit-down time to like get it out the door. And I knew that my current beta version had some issues on iOS 16. Exactly what you were just talking about. Like, just, you know, not, not with the migration itself, but just, you know, I was using all the new widget APIs, and, I, and in the process, I had broken some stuff on iOS 16. And I just didn't have time to go back and test it for so long. So, so I I'd actually notified my customers on Twitter, or I, on a Mastodon, rather. <laughs> it's, it looks like Twitter, because I'm using, I'm using an app that's like TweetBot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I notified my customers on, Ma- my, on Mastodon, like, look, I'm sorry, I'm going to miss day one. I just don't have the time. I, I, need, I need a few more weeks. And it turns out that, like, the day before, like, the night before <laughs> I started working on those things, I had some time, and into the morning of iOS 17's release... I actually fixed the problems really quickly. Like I thought it was going to take a couple of weeks and it took a couple of hours. You know, sometimes in development, oftentimes it goes the other direction. Oftentimes you think something's going to be simple and it ends up being a huge time sink. This was the opposite. (laughs) Occasionally you get a nice win. Like, oh, wait a minute. I just had accidentally disabled this thing or commented this out or broke support for this API and I can just go and re-add it, you know. So it ended up being faster than I expected, and I submitted to the App Store, got approved in like 40 minutes, and uh, was in the App Store like right before, they like basically an hour or two before iOS 17 was released. <laughs> so I actually did make it, but I ran into a lot of that. You know, I think there's a lot to be said, and honestly, this applies to Apple too. Um, one of the, you know, to avoid those surprises of, hey, I updated and, and this broke all of a sudden, or hey, this, this really obvious thing that you didn't think of, um, why didn't you think of this? Or I don't understand this feature. Why, what, you know, why did you intend, what do you intend here? Because this doesn't make sense. All of those kind of like initial gut feeling reactions that are hard to get when you're in it because it's your app and you're familiar with it uh, or you're on the latest version of everything or whatever. A huge amount of that uh, value is possible through beta testing. But the problem with beta testing is that you have to constantly cycle through beta testers. You know, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, and I have found this to be true. Like, I beta tested Overcast with the new widgets for, uh, I think, a week or two at least, but I wasn't getting all the feedback I needed because I haven't cycled out my beta group in a long time. And when, you know, there, there's this process of, like, <laughs> I think of it as, like, beta fade. You know, they, people slowly stop paying attention to those test flight builds that come in every few days or whatever and you slowly stop receiving feedback you know the 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 most valuable feedback you ever get from somebody is the very first beta that 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 they install because that's the first time they're seeing whatever you're working on and that's when you get those initial gut reactions that you need as a developer who can't see them yourself necessarily the problem is if you keep sending the same keep sending betas to the same group of people over and over again they might have paid attention to that first one 
they're not going to pay attention to ongoing changes nearly as much as that very first one. And so what you have to do really is make sure that you're constantly getting fresh eyes on what you're working on. And that takes constant expansion or replacement of the beta group. And I think sometimes like it, like when Apple releases something that doesn't land as well as as they would probably have hoped, I think I think a lot of that is that they their feedback loop doesn't bring in enough new and diverse viewpoints frequently enough, maybe. Um, you know, so, sometimes it seems like, you know, when when we as commenters say like they misread the room, I think that I think that's often the reason is like, you know, the, the same group of people who they always run stuff by in their immense culture of secrecy and everything. It's probably, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's almost entirely just employees of the company. Maybe their immediate family is towards the end of a cycle or something. But for the most part, like that feedback loop, I think, doesn't have enough new perspectives coming in all the time or doesn't have a broad enough view to sometimes get their get the feedback that they need. And we we can fall into the same trap with our apps. You know, it's so easy for us to just have the same group of beta testers, if we have any at all, you know, the same group of beta testers as, you know, a handful of our friends and, you know, maybe a couple of power users that use the app. But who else is look, who else is looking at that before you release it? And inevitably, no matter how much beta cycling that you do, inevitably when you release something to the app store, that's that's going to way more people with way more diverse backgrounds and way more diverse situations than any test flight beta group ever will have. And you will always find new things then. But but I think it's I think you get surprised a lot less often the more fresh eyes you have coming into your beta throughout the cycle. Sure. And I think in that way, it's like I think you can decide exactly how you want to gather that feedback and what that's going to look like. And I think for me, what's the challenging thing that I've run into recently is the sense of like I did a very limited beta testing for any of my updates this year. I think mostly, and it was mostly the kind of like close friends uh, kind of thing where it, it's less like beta testing insofar as finding bugs, more like bouncing ideas off someone or getting kind of design feedback and those kinds of more kind of higher level things. But that's in some ways it's a, it's a conscious choice because managing a beta process well, I think, is very useful but very time-intensive cons- uh, uh, in a way that you're asking someone to give you it's like to give you their time, um, and they may be very willing and very excited to do that. But I want to be, you know, sort of an appropriate like give it a, an appropriate amount of attention. If someone is going to sit down with an app of mine and test it out and try it and put some effort into it, for me to just respond, it's like thanks. And not really, and I put that feedback to the side is not particularly great. It's not good for you know, my relationships with my beta testers or just, um, you know, m- m- I don't know, my mental health. And so in general, I don't actually do very wide beta testing. And instead, the sort of place I've ended up settling to is the first like three days um, of a major update is in a weird way, almost my beta period. Um, and so like for this update for iOS 17, I issued several very quick turnaround uh, app updates that were fixing issues or making, you know, clear clarifying points of confusion. Um, and, you know, I, it, it's, it's almost, it's a, it's a funny thing for me to do, but if, I feel like those first few days are both incredibly busy and incredibly unbusy in this oscillating period where I'll be sitting down and, you know, I'll get an email to the help desk uh, system and I'll read it and investigate it. Um, or I'm looking at the crash logs or I'm listening to, you know, what people are saying uh, in the press or on Mastodon or things. And I'm just trying to gather all the little bits and pieces that I can and see how quickly I can kind of put that into place. Because the reality with these updates is if you use the phase rollout and especially a year like this where it's like, you know, iOS 17 features, 
the initial period is only going to be going out to a tiny fraction of your users. And in some ways, the same way that you would expect with the beta period, beta group that, you know, it's, if, if at this point, I think iOS 17 a week in is something like 20% for me, um, in terms of the user base. And so it's still a very relatively small uh, group of my users. So I have a lot of time to gather that feedback and respond to it. And I think it's important for me to do that. Um, and that is a useful way if a beta process is, is sort of something that's difficult, both in terms of gathering that audience or in terms of if you have stale beta testers or whatever kind of the limits you have there, it's, I can be very useful. And this is something that I found a lot of success with is, you know, spending those first few days trying to iterate and taking advantage of the fact that this is for whatever, you know, app review is clearly highly staffed up, highly engaged, like the number of times where I could submit an update. And like you said, you said 40 minutes. I think I've had some of those. I even had a couple that were maybe in the 20 minute range. Um, that are very useful to be able to kind of iterate on it. And you're not wanting to be, you don't want to be cavalier in this, that obviously you're still, you're pushing it out to production. And anytime you push code to production, you need to be very careful and be very aware of what you're doing. And I think there's an, an element of that of just developing an intuition for what are the kinds of changes that you can make that are safe and relatively low risk? And what are the kind of changes that um, are difficult? So like something, for example, that I did a couple of times in Widgetsmith for this update is I added additional help text inside of the app uh, or changed the flow for a few things. Like one of the features is a new like uh, music widget that's interactive. So you can browse through your, you know, your favorite albums on your home screen. And the process of adding songs and adding albums and adding playlists to that was slightly confusing the way I'd originally structured it. I got some feedback from people who in, in the, in their excitement are saying, it's like, I'm trying to do this. And it's like, am I doing it right? And they're trying to, you can, if you get that sense of their frustration and it's like, I don't want the last thing you need is your most excited, engaged people who downloaded the app on day one to use your app to be confused. And if they're confused and they care, the people who don't care as much are just going to bounce off that feature. And so that's terrible. And so it's like, I added a bunch of text and that's the kind of change that, is super safe, relatively speaking, uh, to add to something where I'm not, you know, changing some deep, some deep logic that was super complicated and depending on lots of things and part of the engine of the app or something. It's like, no, I'm just adding some text labels in places to make it a little bit clearer or restructuring things or making a few buttons a bit bigger, uh, or those kinds of changes. Like those are great things to do quickly to iterate on and to gather that feedback, whether it's from a beta group or from your initial users. Um, to really make your app sort of really shine once it actually actually properly expands out um, to a broad audience. We are brought to you this episode by Things, the award-winning to-do app. Things has just been updated for all of Apple's new OSs, bringing some great improvements, especially for widgets. As we know, your widgets are now interactive, which means you don't need to open the app to do things like complete your to-dos. They're also available in all sorts of new places. Your Mac's desktop on macOS Sonoma, your iPhone's standby feature on iOS 17, your iPad's lock screen, and watchOS 10's new smart stack. Things was also recently updated with one of its most requested features, adjustable text size. So you can now scale Things' interface to a size that's right for you. Whether you want to shrink your text to fit a small iPhone or increase the size on a 30-inch display, Things gives you the control. And of course, it isn't just the text that changes size. Things now uses vector graphics for all icons. I love that. And the layout has been finely tuned so that everything scales together beautifully. I've used Things myself. I still use Things. 
It is great. It is my favorite to-do app. It is so, so good. And they really, you know, it doesn't look like just stock components. They they do a huge amount of custom UI, but at the same time, somehow they make it feel super native to all the platforms they're on. Like, it doesn't feel like, you know, you're running an iPhone app on your Mac or vice versa. Like, all the apps and all the platforms are first class. They've won awards. They have really, really great design and great features. Things is an amazingly powerful app. It's built to run natively on all these devices. Extremely, extremely well made. So if you haven't tried Things, you should really check it out. Just go to the website, thingsapp.com. You can learn about all the app's great features and download a free trial for your Mac there. Of course, you'll also find it on the App Store. Just search for Things. Whatever it is you want to accomplish in life, things can help you get there. Try things today at thingsapp.com. You will not regret it. Once again, thingsapp.com. Great app. You got to check it out. Our thanks to Things for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I have a little bit of a story that I think would be a useful thing to dive into next about the launch that um, I think is was an instructive like capsule for a bunch of the different activities and things that typically come out around a launch that hopefully, I mean, in some ways, I hope no one else runs into these things, but inevitably you will, because this is going to talk about, you know, an app crashing and bugs and issues and compatibility problems and dealing with all that. Um, so... Uh, so last Friday, so the day that the new iPhone... 15s came out. Um, I was going through my support queue, like I've been saying, I you know, go through my support queue and kind of keep an eye on what's going on in a way that, you know, I will at some point very soon turn off my support queue, uh, or at least make it much harder to find in the app. I kind of bury it a little bit. Um, but at this point, I want sort of maximum exposure. <laughs> That's interesting by itself, by the way. Let's talk about that sometime. But go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, um, that is a, that is a thing. I, I, I provide less support as the app gets older, um, for, for better or worse, mostly because I need to focus on things and it's less useful to gather that data. But nevertheless, last Friday I had it open, um, and had it, you know, gathering things. And I'm, you know, I'm in this world where I'm responding probably within like, you know, 15, 20 minutes to, uh, new emails that are coming in. Like I'm really in there trying to really understand what's going on, take advantage of if someone is, is seeing something, I want to know it. And someone reached out and said, Hey, I've noticed something that my photo widgets in, you know, in, in widget Smith, if I apply a photo filter to them, like a, a photographic filter, so you could make it, you know, black and white or sepia or more contrasty or whatever, uh, those kinds of filters, if I apply one to it, it doesn't, it doesn't show up anymore. But if I turn the filter off, um, then it does show up. And that's anytime you like anytime you see uh, an email like that, you like where someone has been able to create a situation where the bug happens, and then when the bug doesn't happen, like they've done so much of the work for you, it's amazing. Like feedback like that is incredible. Um, so I get this feedback, and I'm like, oh wow, that's that's weird. Like that's really strange. So I pull out my phone, my new uh, iPhone 15 Pro Max, and I try the same thing, and the same thing happens again. For I can I, I can reproduce it. It's like there's this issue where. If I add a photo filter to a particular kind of um, widget, then it it, cra- it doesn't load. And if I don't, then it does. And originally they had said it was related to one of my interactive widgets where like if you tap it, there's a, you can have like what I call a drawer widgets where you have a photo and you tap on the photo and there's kind of information, another widget behind the photo. Um, and so at first I thought, oh, this is some you know, iOS 17 interactivity problem. It's like, oh, okay. So I went down that road and started investigating and then it's like, huh, no, that doesn't seem to be the case. And very quickly, I start this, you sort of, there's this debugging process. And this is the part that I think is just worth kind of maybe just sharing because getting good at debugging problems is like 80% of our job functionally. Like th- th- there is a meaningful amount of it that is 
the building part. And then a just as meaningful, if not more meaningful part is being able to identify problems and find them quickly. So the first thing I do is like, it's try it in a different, a different widget type, just a plain photo widget. Huh? Same thing happens. Then try, okay, is this based on certain kinds of photos? So do I take a big raw photo? Do I take a basic photo? Do I take a PNG file? Do I take a small, like create a little like 10 by 10 photo and put it in there and see if it happens to that? doesn't seem to matter. It's like, okay, so I'm now narrowed it down sort of dramatically in a way of what what factors are coming into this. It seems to have nothing to do with interactivity. It seems to have nothing to do with the type of photo that it is. It's just something about applying photo filters um, to images in iOS 17. At this point, that was my working theory is this was an iOS 17 bug. Then I'm like, huh, that's interesting because I hadn't run into this during the summer at all, but that doesn't mean that I, it, it, well, that wasn't the case because the reality of being a one person shop is that there are inevitably going to be things that I just miss that, you know, an app like Widget Smith has so many screens and so many features that it is, you know, f- sort of physically impossible for me to have tested and tried everything and then also have made meaningful work uh, towards this pro- progress. And so it's like, I, I just assumed it was an iOS 17 bug. And I tried to sort of like, okay, let's try it in the simulator, see if it happens there. It's like, nope, the simulator's fine. Um, so then I pull out one of my other iOS 17 phones. Um, but actually, the first thing, of course, I did is I pulled out an iOS 16 phone, tried it there, and it didn't happen, which confirmed my unfortunate, unfortunately, it confirmed my bias that it was iOS 17, um, which, which, you know, spoiler alert, wasn't actually the case, um, which unfortunately, because I did that, then I was just like, oh, gosh, it's an iOS 17 bug. Everyone who has this is going to have this issue. It's this big problem thing. Thank you for this person for identifying it. But, um, you know, what am I going to do? And so I try back and forth a few times to see if it was that. And then I was like, someone reached out and, uh, and I got a sort of an indication that it might not happen, um, on iPhone 11s. Um, and I was like, huh, I wonder if it's a, a 2X, 3X bug. And so then I, you know, cause so like my phone has a 3X screen, whereas the old, the, anything that has an, LC, an, an LCD screen is still 2X. And so then I pulled out my uh, iPhone 10R, which happened to be running iOS 17 and I tried on there and it doesn't happen there. So now in my mind, it's a, in my mental model, it's <laughs> iOS 17 but only on 3x displays. Maybe it only happens on red phones. <laughs> Maybe it does. Like, like this is the thing. Like, I love that I had a reproducible bug in the sense of that made this much better. But then it's like, now what do I do? I'm still trying to find out what it ha- what happens. So then I need to find one of my like go to my drawer of old iPhones, find a 3x phone that supports iPhone 17, <laughs> and install it on there, um, and try it there. And then it worked, and so, so, as well. So I'm like. Huh. Well, this is interesting because it happens a hundred percent of the time on my 15 Pro Max and zero percent of the time on any other device that I can find. So that's interesting. And now I think it's a bug in the new phones, which in some ways was a small comfort to me because that's a bug that I cannot in any way pre- prevent happening. Um, because I can do all that, you know, it's like I, Apple is very kind to us. They give us iOS 17 with like three months notice, even for minor bug, you know, typical updates, they often will beta test them that we have access to them. So I have an opportunity to install, like we will probably have an opportunity to install 17.1, you know, for a few weeks at least before it goes out to the public, most likely. So I can do testing ahead of time and see those bugs. In this case, Turns out there was nothing I could have done because I had, you know, unfortunately I do not have access to an iPhone 15 Pro Max ahead of time. Um, and at this point, as fast, as best as I can understand, this is an issue that relates to the new GPU architecture 
on the iPhone, I guess the A17 Pro chip. Um, it's at this point, that's as far as I've been able to kind of narrow it down that it only happens on that. It doesn't happen on the 15 and 15 plus. It only happens on the 15 Pro and Pro Max. And so it seems to be something related to that chip. Great. That's useful. That's very helpful to know. Now what do I do? Um, and that was the sort of this one of these fascinating questions then of, do I pull the feature from those devices? Uh, do I try and find a workaround? Do I change the feature in some way that only on those devices? Um, and end up getting kind of, it's always kind of complicated because none of those scenarios are great. Pulling a feature off uh, an app in, you know, in that way is always going to be disruptive. It's going to annoy people, especially because some of the photo filters are paid features inside of the app. And so I'm like taking away a paid feature from some of my users. Um, but in the end, like I spent the better part of a day trying to find workarounds, trying different options for, you know, core image, trying to force it to only process on the CPU in the case that might help. Uh, and in the end, I don't have a way of, I haven't been able to find a workaround. I had some people who are very knowledgeable in core image, take a look, and they weren't able to find anything. So for now, I've just had to pull the feature on those phones. Um, I was able to do a slight workaround for some of them where, you know, I can pre-process some of the images ahead of time in the main app where it's fine. Um, but it doesn't work if for, you know, my photo album widgets, for example, which load images dynamically and then apply the filters to them. Because if you apply, if essentially, if you touch a core image filter inside of a widget extension, the widget extension will die because of memory pressure. Um, so I've just had to pull that feature. And now I'm just kind of like waiting and seeing. And who knows, I've, you know, filed a bug with Apple. I filed a developer tech support issue with this. And we'll just see. It's like, hopefully, you know, from my perspective, hopefully it's one of those things of, in the same way that I didn't have the opportunity to test this on the new phone ahead of time, it's like Apple only sort of has the opportunity to really understand if their, you know, if their new architecture has issues for third party things, because while I'm sure they download third party apps and run them, you know, they didn't necessarily try every feature of every app uh, on their new architecture. And so fair enough, they didn't discover that applying a core image filter inside of a widget extension um, is, is problematic on their new architecture. Um, but anyway, yeah, so this is, and so now that update's been out, this button pushed out. Generally, I haven't had any particular pushback from customers. I think they understand, like, if you go to that, you know, that part of the app, I have a message that says, unfortunately, if you're running one of the new phones, that I've had to disable this feature while I work on a compatibility update. And, uh, it kind of went from there. But anyway, hopefully that's an interesting story. I just feel like, these kind of things just are inevitably going to happen. And I think it is important to under, to try and keep, like, keep calm and carry on when that happens. Um, and in this case, it's, you know, it's not quite a happy, happy ending at this point in the sense of I haven't found the workaround. I haven't found, um, a way or about, you know, iOS 17.1 hasn't fixed it or something like that. But, you know, at, at the, there were times that when I discovered this, that I definitely had that moment of despair where you're like, oh no, <laughs> this is going, if, when I first thought it was every device running iOS 17, their image filters weren't going to work and there was no workaround that I could come up with that was going to work around that. It's like, that is really problematic and challenging and disheartening. And while I was able to narrow it down and make that less of a problem because, you know, at this point, 0.1% of my user base has an iPhone 15 Pro. So, you know, it's not a, a massive problem in that respect yet. Uh, but you know, I think I, this is not the first time this kind of issue has happened to me. And because I've experienced it enough times, I know that you'll get through it and it'll be fine. And in the moment, it's hard to do things like turning off a feature that, you know, someone's going to want, but the reality is, is with some, you know, perspective, it's almost always been fine. It's, it's the, you know, a few grumpy people is not something that, um, you should sort of let get under your skin 
And you know, part of the job is working through these issues and keeping your keeping a level head around it and just kind of work the problem. Try and isolate variables, try and work through it. And the more variables you can isolate, the better. You know, I like what you said a few minutes ago of like, you know, when when the new phones get out there, when the new OSs get out there, and when you all all the new third party app versions get out there, no matter how much testing you've done, like that combination has not been extensively tested by the world yet. So, you know, Apple can't test all the apps before the developers have even submitted them. And even then they can't test all the apps, you know, on the, all the new hardware. Like they only have so many people and only certain people have access to the pre-release hardware. Things are still moving. Like your app is still moving. The OS is still moving. Like things are still in flux. So it, it can be very hard to to avoid having any issues when new things all launch at the same time. And so it, it's better to expect that, yeah, this might happen. Like this, every so often, there will be some weird problem that you have to deal with. You know, immediately after launch on you know in in September on you know new phone or new OS day. That's just part of being a developer, and and you know not only is that an unavoidable part of your job, but I think also customers are fairly forgiving of that. Like, yeah, you get the occasional one star angry person, but for the most part, like customers know, like day one of something, they know that stuff might work a little bit wonkily for for a little bit, as long as you are you know, fairly aware of it and, and plan to update on a reasonable basis, your customers tend to be pretty understanding. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is a key thing in this experience is understanding that, you know, the, like the people who was, who emailed in and said they were having this issue and I email them back right away and say, Hey, this is the issue. Almost always they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. You know, I'll look forward to a fix in the future. No problem. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's being responsive and being responsible um, I think those two things together will go a long way to, you know, kind of making an issue like this. It's never great. It's never nice. Um, but you can make it kind of manageable. And then it's just a thing that you deal with. And then, you know, it'll be behind us at some point, I'm sure. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.